So, um, Sabbath Sunday. Um, I want us to get in the habit of, of sharing and anticipating God's goodness um, when we have those Sabbath Sundays. And so, um, we're going to have a couple stories of just God's goodness in the midst of, of rest and rest for our souls. So, Charity, why don't you come on up? Um, Charity's going to share um, uh, of just the, the quick, brief story um, about how you... Oh, I thought I thought that was like you thought I was telling it. Oh no, you can tell it so much better. But we do have we do have an image that Tommy's ready for once you start sharing about it. Oh, look at that! Woo! Okay, please share. Okay, my beautiful mother turned seventy this weekend. So, <laughs> yeah. So my sister and I took her and her sister up to South Dakota, and we saw Mount Rushmore, and we went to Deadwood, and. It was a really good time together. And when we got to Deadwood, we had no idea they were celebrating some special celebration. I have no idea what it was about. But they were getting ready to do a parade, which she loves. So we got there just in time. We didn't know. So that was God's gift. Like, he provided a parade for us. We got to watch the parade. And it was really neat. So it was a good time together. Thank you for sharing. Uh (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you, Charity. Uh, David grabbed me just after worship, and he goes, well, I don't know <clears throat> if it was like the epitome of restful, um, but on, on Sabbath Sunday, they held their new uh, grandchild in their arms, and so that's pretty fantastic. What an awesome thing to give thanks for. Um, just spontaneity here. Anyone have a quick, just, oh, yeah, there's something really awesome that I did that was so restful for my soul on Sabbath Sunday. Anybody raise your hand. I'll come to you real quick. Okay. Oh, Jamie. I was about to go, dude. I was ready to move on. All right. Do you want to come up here or do you want me to come to you? There you go. I just wanted to share that we went to um, Brainerd Lake. I almost forgot it. I was going to come up here and almost forget the whole thing. Um, and we went to Brainerd Lake. We went for a hike. And then we ate lunch at Left Hand uh, Reservoir, which is just perfectly scenic, beautiful. And we're just able to sit there and just soak in God's creation, and it was just amazing, the whole family, and um, yeah, it was wonderful. So it was nice to have a break from church, but not a break from God, and I think that was a really uh, cool intention. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. All right, so, so Kara and I, we, uh, we took the opportunity to do like our summer vacation, and our vacation was, was shorter this year. Um, than past years, but it was wonderful nonetheless. So we went to uh, Las Vegas. A friend of mine, I had mentioned that a couple weeks ago, that um, he has like a million Hilton points. And I honestly, that's the way he described it. He's like, I got a million points. So we had like a free hotel. Um, so we, we stayed just off the strip and we did things off the strip. Um, so we avoided all the busyness and we were too frugal to gamble. So, so we didn't even gamble up any... Um, and, but we just did fun things and we laid out by the pool and we found an all-you-can-eat sushi place and ate there twice. <laughs> and it would have been three times if I would have had my way. I'm just telling you, it was awesome. Um, but this was really cool. There was, uh, in, um, one of the places we stayed, we stayed in two places. They were both free. It was pretty wonderful. Um, but they had this cigar lounge uh, and I'm a cigar guy. And Kara's like, I'm going to work out. You go down to the lounge and just enjoy yourself. And I'm like, sold, done. 
So we have a picture of the lounge here. It was beautiful. Um, and so I, at first I was kind of closer to the bar, and there were like four guys that were really having fun at the bar. And uh, they were really loud, and I was trying to read a book. So I asked my server, I'm like, could you move me somewhere like, I don't know, a little quieter? My wife's going to come down, and we just I, somewhere tucked away. So she's like, sure. So um, that's, that's the view from, from my seat, and it was wonderful. I was able to read there and enjoy my cigar and just relax. And then Kara came down, and I tried to prepare the server for how gorgeous my wife is. I'm like... I'm like, you will know when she walks in the room because every head will turn. She will be wearing this gorgeous white dress and these tall wedges, and she's just stunning. And so literally everyone in the room is going to turn their head at my beautiful wife, and that's when you'll know to guide her you know, to this section. <laughs> and you know what the server told me? You did, she, she, her name was Marie. She was from France. And she said, you didn't explain well enough how beautiful your wife was. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so um, we start talking, and, and, and Marie had given me a tour of the whole place in this like one private room. She's like, this is where our VIPs come. And so I'm like, well, do any Raiders ever come? She's like, oh, like Mark Davis, the owner, he, he comes darn near every day, and he, he always goes in there. I'm like, are you serious? She's like, yeah. So Karen and I are talking later on, and, and uh, I see people scurrying over to that private room. And I hear one of them say, da-da-da-da-da, Mark, da-da-da-da-da. So I call the server over. I'm like, is Mark Davis coming tonight? Owner of the Raiders, Mark Davis. And uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, 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 Raiders. Um, And she she, she goes, well, I'm sure he wouldn't be coming tonight. And then smiled and like walked away. I'm like, he's coming. She just can't tell us he's coming. And Kara's like, I know. So we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting like to no avail, and we still have to go to dinner. And so I'm like, all right, it's, I'm, we're not going to wait here all night. And I had to go to the bathroom. And so I'm like, i got to go to the bathroom, but I'm, I'm going to hold it because I don't want to miss him because I'm going to the bathroom. So finally I'm like, forget it, I'm going to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom, and then I'm done. There's, there are these four paintings of these dogs smoking cigars, <laughs> okay? And, uh, and so these are actually four different pictures because I took these two first because I like those two. And I'm like, oh, I took that picture, took that picture before I went to the bathroom. Then after I went to the bathroom, I'm like, well, I got to get the other one because that one kind of reminds me of Stella. Um, and I can't not take the fourth picture. So I take this picture and then I take this picture and I notice that there's this glare, but I'm like, ah, I don't care. Um, and so I turn um, and it's a pretty small hallway and I'm like, oh, excuse me. I almost run into Mark Davis. And so then I go, oh, I said, Mr. Davis, my name is Mark and I love the Raiders. And he goes, me too. (laughs) His name is Mark and he loves the Raiders. And and I said, you know, I live in Denver and I got to be honest, I I take a lot of joy in tormenting my Denver friends because we just, we own the Broncos. And, uh, And he goes, yes, we do. And he goes to walk and he walks away. He starts walking away. So for a brief second, I'm like, I have to get a picture. So I said, uh, Mr. Davis, could, could, would you take a picture with me? And, or could I take a picture with you? And he goes, well, I guess so. And next picture, took a picture with Mark Davis. <laughs> and so uh, this is all taking place in this tiny little hallway. And then he goes in the back door into 
like the secret area, like the, the VIP place. So I come back and Kara's like, Where, what have you been doing? She's like, they closed up the door. He's going to be coming. And I just take out my phone and say, he already came. And guess who got a picture? And I showed her the picture on my phone. And she, she says this. She goes, God really loves you. And then we left and ate tacos, and it was wonderful. So, um, but uh, the key here is, is our God is a God who gives rest, and he's also a God who gives good gifts. And there's such a, a powerful thing when we invite the Lord into our rest, into our Sabbath. So, um, as we, our next Sabbath Sunday will be uh, the last Sunday in October. Um, guys, I'd love stories every, every time, like of just how you Sabbathed and how you invited the Lord into that time and how he just tended to your soul. It's really powerful. So, um, Charity and, and Jamie, thank you guys for, uh, sharing today. Um, I, I want to pray and, uh, and then we're going to jump into today's message. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you are good. And we, we have... We think we know, but we really have no comprehension of just how good you are and how generous you are and, and just the amazing gifts you give us. And we give you thanks. And Lord, we thank you for this time of worship together, of lifting up the, the name that's above all names, Jesus Christ. Lord, I just ask that as I, as I unpack uh, your your word and what you put on my heart, Lord, I just ask that you would just speak to the heart of everyone here, but not what I'm necessarily speaking, but Lord, what you are just shining the light on and bringing to light. So Holy Spirit, do your thing. You're amazing. In Jesus' name, amen. So please turn in your Bibles, your Bible apps to John chapter 10. Um, I decided that we're, we're going to just skip John chapter 9, but I'll give you the cliff notes of John chapter 9. And, and let me preface this by saying I love, love John 9 and John 10. Love them. And if you will take the time to read them, you will love them as well because it's incredible. So John 9 tells the story. Um, no, don't pull it up yet. Then they're, gonna, they're gonna not going to pay any attention to me. They're going to start reading the word. So John 9, um, Jesus heals a man that had been blind from birth. And Jesus fully angered the Pharisees in doing this because when do you think he did this? On a Sabbath. He healed a man blind from birth on the Sabbath. Now I don't even know if the Pharisees fully knew how Jesus healed this man. Because then I think they would have been even more irritated because um, he didn't just heal, he he made mud and put it on the guy's eyes, but it wasn't just any kind of mud. This was spit mud. This was saliva mud. And the Pharisees like hated like dirtiness and uncleanliness. And so they, I, I don't even know if they knew that, but they would have been really furious at that. This man's healed. He, he starts just exclaiming the goodness of God crowd draws near and the Pharisees, their question is who did this? Who did this? You can't do this on the Sabbath. Jesus, meanwhile, he moves on. 
these, these Pharisees who, who are tasked with being leaders of men and pointing people to God and to Scripture could care less about this man and the fact that he was healed. That he was blind from birth and he could now see. They, they harass him. They call in his parents. And they start harassing his parents. His parents are afraid. They're like, I'm not gonna, we're not going to be shunned. And Hey, he's a, he's a grown man. Whatever he says. Whatever he says. They kind of stayed out of it. And, and then this, this blind man, he, he just gets bold and kind of a little sarcastic. And he's like, hey, it sounds like you want to be his disciples too. I mean, he's, he's around here somewhere. You know, we can, we can find him. And, of course, that didn't make them very happy. And they kick him out of synagogue. They kick him out of the temple. They, they, they say, you can't stay here. Then Jesus finds him. And I, lo- I love what he says. He's like, hey, uh, what do you see? What an amazing thing to, to say to a person who's never seen before. I mean, what an incredible thing to say. You know, what, what, do you, what do you see? And what have you heard? And this man's like, I know that I can see. I know that I couldn't see before, and now I see. And, um, and I think this was Jesus' declaration of saying, you are mine, because this man says, I, I, and I know this, you are, you, are the, you, know, you are the son of God. Jesus is laying claim to him, saying, you're mine. You are mine. Don't worry about being kicked out there. You're mine. You have a new home. That immediately brings us to John chapter 10. See, a lot of times we'll just read a, a chapter and we'll read it um, almost as like a standalone menu item, like an a la carte kind of thing. And, and that's not the way that we should really like, dig into Scripture. It, it flows together. There's context, and we need to know that context. So when we're reading John 10, the context is he's now speaking to a bunch of angry Pharisees and he's, of course, he's irritated with them, like, you, you know, how, how they're treating people. And so that picks us up in John chapter 10, verse 1. So Jesus says this to them, to those Pharisees. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. If I can pause real quick. So this is what that that sheepfold looks like, okay? There's going to be a couple examples that Jesus uses here. But this example of the sheepfold, um, within the town, there was a sheepfold, and it was normally built on the side of one wall. So it would be something, a stable wall of, of a home or or a barn, or a business, or something, but in the town. This isn't like out in the field somewhere. This is where people, you know, this is in the community. And they would then build around it, and they'd build like a, you know, just a fence around it, and they would have a gate. And there was a gatekeeper, and the, and the shepherd wasn't the gatekeeper because many shepherds brought their sheep into this place. It wasn't just like a, you know, everyone had one, like everyone has a garage. There was a gatekeeper that, that he knew who the shepherds were and, and uh, the only people that were going to come through that gate and get past him 
were the shepherds. And so when he's talking about the gatekeeper, when Jesus is talking about the gatekeeper here, there's, there's a gatekeeper, and Jesus is saying, anyone who goes around the gatekeeper, anyone who tries to get into the sheep any other way, they are thieves. Okay? To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. So the shepherd's like, how you doing, Bob, the gatekeeper? And Bob's like, yeah, good. How you doing, Jim, the shepherd? He's like, I'm doing good. And he comes in, and he starts calling his sheep by name. And he's not worried about the other sheep. But his sheep know his name, and he knows their name. So he calls them by name. And they come, and they come out. And then we're going to see that he leads them. So leads them out into the place now where that they can eat in grace. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but, he will, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but the Pharisees, they did not understand what he was saying to them. So they didn't understand his analogy of the sheep and the shepherd and, and the fold and the gatekeeper. So Jesus starts over, but does he really? Verse 7, so Jesus again said to them, and I think he did this. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He's like, I'm just going to double down. I'm going to double down. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. So just just so that we have context here, he, what he's telling these Pharisees are, a lot of people have come for a long time claiming that they're the Messiah, that they're the Savior, that they're going to rescue God's chosen people. And he's like, they were all thieves and robbers. Okay? All who came before, they're thieves and robbers, and, and the sheep didn't listen to them. And, and what he's telling them is, but pay attention to, to the people now. They're listening to the one, to, to the true Messiah. Verse 9, he says, I am the door. This is twice. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So this is interesting because he switches sheepfold analogies on us. And we just don't know it because we're not shepherds of sheep. What he's now talking about is, is a fold that is out in the field. And again, you know, rocks piled on top of each other, you know, in the shape of a circle. Sometimes they would put like mud and plants or sticks on top of it to kind of give it like a, a more daunting look so that people wouldn't climb over. And here's the difference here. Once it's only... The shepherd's sheep that goes into this. This is his pen, okay, where he, where he grazes them, okay? So this isn't all the other community's sheep at this point and other shepherds. This is where he brings his sheep, and once they're all in, they're in for the night. Guess what he does? He lays down in the doorway. 
And so when Jesus says, I am the door, he's literally saying, if anything is going to get to my sheep, it has to come through me. And the shepherd would lay there. He would lay there, literally lay his life down because any threat that came against the sheep had to come where? Through the door. Jesus says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And and this is our the, the order and what we see here is important. If they come in through me, they'll be saved. And then they'll experience freedom. They, they will come in and go out and they'll find pasture. They'll, they'll, they'll go out and they'll, they'll find things that, that nourish and tend to them. They'll find rest and they'll find peace and they'll find refreshing. And they'll come in and they'll go out. There's freedom. There is freedom in Christ Jesus. And then he says this. This is John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Obviously, a thief comes to steal. But that word, that word kill is the word for slaughter. It's used specifically for the, the slaughtering of animals. It says the thief comes to steal and to slaughter and to destroy, and that word destroy is just to absolutely annihilate, to absolutely remove trace of. And he says this, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. So now in his I am statements in, in the book of John, he's now said I am the door, and now he says I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So here's what's interesting we know this. You know, we, we've, we've heard this. We probably have this memorized. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that, you might ha- that they might have life and have it to the fullest. What's he talking about? What's his context? What's he talking about? We know he's, he's, he's talking about us. But, but when he's talking to the Pharisees, what's he talking about? Rhymes, rhymes, rhymes with beep. It's an animal. Sheep, Yeah. He's talking about sheep. What's the what's the purpose of of sheep? Like what's what's why why are there shepherds? Why is there sheep? It's it's to provide it's to provide something. It's to provide uh, clothing, wool. It's to provide food. Okay, it's it's for them to give of their lives. We're talking about a commodity that the the purpose of this commodity is sacrifice, is, is that everything that they have will, it will benefit the shepherd, his family, those he sells it to. And Jesus makes this ridiculously radical statement and says, I've come that they might have life. The sheep. He says that thief comes to steal and to slaughter and to annihilate but I've come that they might have life, and not just life, that they might have life to the fullest in this progressive thing where that we live fully in him. If you continue to read, the Pharisees get annoyed again. 
Big surprise. But we, sometimes we read things and we don't sit there and, and camp on them. Jesus came to completely flip what we know as being satisfactory and how we live our lives and how we sustain. He came to completely flip it and say, what I have for you is so much more. When it talks about that in me, through me, Jesus says, they're saved and then they go in, they come out and they find pasture. In other translations, it says they find home. God cares about his people finding home. We're told in scripture that he brings the orphan into family. He cares about people having togetherness and closeness and having life and having life more abundantly. For four weeks, we talked about coming to community. And we unpacked things for four weeks that are not, um, they're not new concepts to you or to Impact Rock Church. They've just been newly packaged. And, and that's okay. We're, we're fine with that. We, we felt like there needed to be some definition and some sharpening. And that's okay that it's, that it's newly packaged. That's, that's our intention. To bring clarity to who we are as a church. But we didn't, like, it's not rocket science. We didn't reinvent the wheel. It's doing life together. It's doing life together. We, we talk about what is, what is a, a biblical church supposed to look like. And guys, this is what a biblical church is supposed to look like. I had an awkward conversation w- with a dude recently because he, he made just he made the wrong statement to the wrong guy. I was the wrong guy. He talked about, well, you know, we are the church. We don't have to go to church. And I'm like, that's foolish, dude. You know better than that. You know the word better than that. Don't, don't, don't say stuff like that. It's like, what do you mean? I'm like, we are the church when we are together by yourself. You're not the church. You're a dangling participle. You're a separated part of the body. You're like a, a, a freak cut off part of the body in a, in a scientific container that you see in some horror movie. You're not part of the body. If you're separated, you're, you're not, there's not a togetherness. I'm like, and we can't be the church without leadership. With, without leadership to point us to the Lord. I said, man, do you know nothing about the New Testament church? Well, of course I do. And I'm like, I know you do. So why do you say stupid stuff like that? We are called to be the church. And a biblical church isn't a bunch of dangling participles, a bunch of cut-off parts of the body, staying at home in their underwear, eating blueberry pancakes, watching Elevation Church online, and saying, oh, but we're the church. That's ridiculous. You just bought into the lie of the enemy. So we unpacked things for four weeks saying, this is what it looks like to be a biblical church. And this is who we are as this local church. This is what we value. This is what our vision is. This is what our mission is. And we threw out the, the net of Let's do this together. We're called 
to do this together? Will you commit to doing this together? And we talked about last, uh, last time we were together, two weeks ago, and there were four areas where I said, as a committed part of this church, these are the four things we have to commit to. All four. All four. Three out of four might be Hall of Fame numbers. You know, if you're a batter in Major League Baseball, that's phenomenal, but it's, it's not going to cut it here. Commitment to four things. Number one, commitment to grow. We have to be constantly growing. I have to be constantly growing. Man, I thank God I'm not the same guy I was when we planted this church in 2010. I thank God I've grown. I thank God I'm not the same dude. I'm not the same leader. I'm not the same pastor. I'm not the same husband. I'm not the same dad. I'm not the same friend. We have to constantly be, be growing. And, and here's, here's the kicker is um, when you wake up tomorrow, there's no intentionality needed. No intentionality needed. You're a day older. You've grown a day older. Nothing you can do to stop it. Nothing you can do. I mean, you just, congratulations, you've, you're now a day older. But it's not the case in our walk with the Lord. There requires intentionality. For us to grow, there's the intentionality of, Lord, I, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to seek your word. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to worship you. And amazing things happen. We grow. And then we do this. We go, okay, Lord, and my life is not just my own. So, Lord, I'm going to link arms with others and do the same thing. Talk about you. You know, meditate on your word together. Read your word. Study it. Worship. There's got to be a commitment to grow. And there's pains involved. Growing always kind of, growing pains are involved. But here's the thing, man. It's, it's so beneficial. It's so beneficial. Number two, commitment to serve. A commitment to serve. It's just, it's serving is what Jesus did. Jesus says he came to serve. So we follow his lead. We follow his example. And it brings such fulfillment. If, if there's someone who's at a, at a tough spot and they're just like dissatisfied and they're just, recognize it and then grab them along with you and, and don't tell them you're going to serve, but just pull them alongside into a serving opportunity because it fulfills, it lightens, it brings a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction and, and it brings a beautiful sense of worth. A commitment to generosity. In every way. But we can't say in every way and then exclude the financial. Jesus talked about money a lot. He talked to his disciples about hey, this is your response to people who, who bless you and pour into you, and this is your response to people who don't. I mean, he, he had some pretty candid things to say. And so there's got to be a, a commitment to, to sow into this work that God has called us to. And then the last one, commitment to community. We've got to do it together. We're supposed to do it together. And in these things... There's freedom in these things. We, we, get to, we get to just run in the fields 
the pastures and find river and get refreshed and, and do life together. So um, two weeks ago, I made these um, crappy little cards. They weren't even cards. I couldn't even call them cards. I don't know if you, if anyone see the video that I made a video yesterday and I couldn't even call it a card. I'm like, yeah, on this sheet, this flimsy black and white sheet. And Kara called me on it. She's like, what, what the heck? Like, why did, this isn't, <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> she critiqued my art and it didn't stand up to the critique. Um, so we have color versions on card stocks today. Um, and, and, uh, and what we ask is that if if you're if you're like hey I'm I'm willing to make those commitments commitment to grow to serve to generosity and to community and I'm all in I don't want to you know I'm all in then we're asking you to write your name on it I don't care how long you've been here I don't care if you were one of the initial people that helped plant this church if you're in you're in and we want you to fill that out and and turn that in today. Now, if you're not there, then we continue to do life together, and we'll circle back on this another time. But that is our goal. Um, I know this is going to sound horrible on the podcast. Could someone turn the swamp cooler on, please? Yeah, when people start fanning, that's our that's our telltale sign. So, so the commitment piece. We commit to everything else that's important to us, and we commit to a lot of things that aren't important to us. We flippantly sign things. Oh, sign up for a phone? Sure. Oh, how much is it? I don't know. It's free today. I get to walk out of the store with this iPhone? Free today? That's awesome. They're like, yeah, it's awesome. It's going to cost you 1500 bucks over the next, you know, but yeah, it's free today. Sure. Where can I sign? God has stirred some vision in our eldership team and our leadership team, and we believe that he's expanding our territory as a church, that he's enlarging our tent posts as a church, that, that we are to have a greater impact in our community and beyond. He's, he's stirred within us the desire to plant churches. He stirred a bigness within us that we have said yes to, and so that's why we have taken such time to put all this together, to put our thoughts on paper and on websites and to put together that 26-page coming to community document because we believe that in, in doing church in this way, we'll thrive. In, in all of us taking ownership of this work that will thrive, and I promise you it's true. I promise you that there's some of you that you haven't yet walked in some of the things that God has, has put before you, and when you do, you're going to be thrilled. You're going to find a satisfaction you haven't found. And I, I've seen it. I, I mean, I've seen it. Eleanor's come to this church for a long time. Her family's come to this church for a long time. And for a long time, he, she, she sat there in, in the seat where there was this building or our last one. And, and she was faithful. But there came a point when she responded to the call of, will you be on the worship team? Will you use your gifts for me? And she said yes to that. And she wasn't entirely comfortable with that at that moment. 
And I'm telling you right now, one of the reasons I worship with my eyes open for part of the service is so I can just be blessed by the people that are up on this platform and watching them and their expression of love for the Lord. And I get blessed when I watch Eleanor get up here and lead us in worship and the passion that she has and the fulfillment that she has. And I'm telling you, that's not the same woman as before. That's a more fulfilled, passionate woman for Christ because she said yes. Am I wrong? But it took a commitment. Charity, would you come up and just play for me, please? Um, I'm I'm landing and I'm landing quick. Um, if you know that you know that you know that you're all in, grab that thing, sign it, give it to us today before you leave. And, and here's what we're going to do next week. The, everyone who turns those in next week, we're going to have you stand and we're going to pray and you're, we're going to just commission you to this work you're doing. And we may do that for several weeks in a row, just to be honest with you, because we understand, you know, it's still the end of summer and people, you know, aren't at church every week. Um, and maybe there's people that are like, I'm in, but I can't be there next week. We'll, we'll do it. But we're, we're kind of just solidifying the foundation of what God is doing right here. And this is for you and this is for us. And I think we're relatively unapologetic about it. I, I know it's a commitment, and I know that we're not always entirely comfortable with, with commitment. But there's fulfillment in it. And it's for the king. It's not for a church. It's not for people. It's not for a pastoral team. It's for the king. He is our reward. He is our prize. My old pastor, Al, he... He was driving one day and he was just venting to the Lord. He was just venting. He was like, you know, he was complaining. He's like, you know, I don't have the money for this bill and I don't have this. And Lord, you said you'd provide, you know, and you aren't providing. And he was just driving down the freeway and he was venting. And we've all done it. We've all vented to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to him. And he said, Am I not enough? And Al pulled over. He pulled over like he knew he couldn't continue to drive because the tears were already welling up. And he pulled over. And then the Lord, he followed up with, am I not your reward? Am I not your prize? And Al, he just began to weep. And he said, Lord, you're my prize. And you're my, you're my reward. And you're, you're why I do this. And you're enough. And, and we do what we do because he is our prize winning the nations to the Lord is phenomenal but he's our prize reaching the hurting and the lost of our community is phenomenal but Christ is our prize he is our reward and he is why we do this so if you're not ready to sign that paper you guys no shame we're in this for the long haul. We are. We're in this for the long haul. We're committed to you. But if you're ready, sign it. And if you're not ready, yeah, maybe we can have discussions. Maybe we can get together and have a fizzy pop, fizzy water. We can have a horchata together and, and talk through things that you might have questions about. 
But if you're ready, I, I just encourage you guys, don't, uh, you know, don't wait. If you're like, no, those four commitments, I'm in. Because God, God has big things for us to do together. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, uh, Lord, it's moments like this, if I'm just being honest, Lord, with you and with all my friends here, that I, I just feel so inadequate, Lord. Um, my passion just doesn't come out in all the right words. So Holy Spirit, I'm just inc- we're, we're incredibly in need of you to to inspire and to reveal and to draw. And so we just ask you to do that. Holy Spirit, we yield to you. Lord, we give you thanks. We thank you for what you are doing and and uh, for the things that you put on our hearts to step out and to do and in doing this. Lord, we thank you for this community. We thank you that we get to do life together, that we are your church and we get to be your church together. In Jesus' name, amen. The cards are on the coffee bar. Two weeks ago I said they were on the coffee bar. They weren't on the coffee bar. They were on the stand. This week they're on the coffee bar. Okay, and they're in color this week. So if you filled out a black and white one last week, fill out a color one this week. And Kara will be much happier. I will be much happier. I'll leave us with this blessing. Um, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have an amazing day. I love y'all. Have a great day.